0: If you have your copy of God's Word, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, we are today concluding our sermon series in Deuteronomy called A Covenant of Love. So we're coming to a close to that sermon series today, and the sermon this morning is actually going to be in two parts. So stay tuned for that. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Is where we are going to pick up, and the sermon text will be on this chapter. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse one, says this: "Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase, and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember the Lord your God. Remember, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these forty years." to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful, de- dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today." If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God.
1: My friend Jeff Arthurs reminded me of the story of Jimmy. Jimmy was a patient of psychiatrist and author Oliver Sacks who suffered from a rare neurological disorder called Korsakoff syndrome which uh, affects the memory. When Sacks met Jimmy in 1975, Jimmy walked into the doctor's office with a cheery hello doc, nice day, you want to talk to me shall I sit here? He was cooperative and answered all the questions that Dr. Sachs had for him as he tried to check Jimmy's memory. He remembered his childhood home, his friends, his school and the Navy which he had joined in 1943 He'd been stationed on a sub and um, he remembered Morse code. He recalled vividly his service in the Navy through the end of the war in 1945, but that's where his memories stopped. Completely. He couldn't remember anything from the past 30 years. He thought Truman was president, that the periodic table stopped with uranium, that no one had been to the moon, he had no recollection of anything that happened in the last few minutes. He thought he was 19 years old, even though he was 49. Dr. Sachs showed him a mirror and Jimmy gazed at it, this middle-aged person with bushy gray hair, and was shocked. In Dr. Sachs's words, he suddenly turned ashen and gripped the sides of his chair. What's going on? What's happened to me? Is this a nightmare? Am I crazy? Well, Sax distracted him by taking him to a window and letting him watch a few minutes of a baseball game being played outside. Sacks hid the mirror, gave Jimmy a couple of minutes alone, and then um, Jimmy wheeled around and said, Hi, Doc. Beautiful day. You want to talk to me? Shall I sit here? Haven't we met before, Jimmy? No, I, I can't say that we have. And over the next nine years, as a patient, Jimmy and Dr. Sachs were introduced and reintroduced. He stayed in the convalescent home where Sachs was in charge, but um, never learned his way around the halls. He, he could play rapid games of Tic-tac-toe or checkers, but no games like chess that moved too slowly. And Sacks writes, I had never encountered, even imagined, such a power of amnesia. The possibility of a pit into which everything, every experience, every event would fathomlessly drop. The staff at the home referred to Jimmy as a lost soul. Moses would agree and add that without memory we are all lost souls. So again and again in Deuteronomy Moses says remember don't forget remember you were slaves in Egypt but God rescued you. Remember How at Sinai you were in awe of God. Don't forget the covenant God made with you. Don't forget his laws. And they were supposed to remember, these Israelites poised to enter the promised land. Even sad, negative events from their history. Don't forget, Moses says, the golden calf incident when your fathers rebelled. Learn from that. Don't repeat it. Here in chapter 8, remember how God led you in the wilderness. Remember, it is God who enables you to prosper. Don't forget the Lord your God. Sixteen times in Deuteronomy, remember. Only the book of Psalms has it more often. Ten times in Deuteronomy, don't forget. Uh, The first week of this series, I... I mentioned a number of recurring themes that Moses the preacher would come back to again and again. Covenant, love, fire, children, and so on. Well, here is one of the most important, if not the most important. Remember. And it's for us, too. Moses is still preaching through this Spirit-inspired book. So unless you suffer from Korsakoff's syndrome or dementia or some other brain impairment choose deliberately to keep in mind the majesty and sovereignty and grace of our God. Choose deliberately to not forget all that he's done for you and you could if you need to use the first nine verses of this chapter as a kind of a, a, a prompt. Although spoken to Israel centuries ago, the Holy Spirit still speaks to us through these lines. You, you remember His covenant of love with you. His loving initiative and your loving obligations to Him. Remember how He brought you through your own wilderness experience and taught you valuable lessons through it. That was part of Pastor Eliel's message of several weeks ago. Remember how he provided for all your needs, maybe not all your wants, but all your needs, giving you a job, healing you and your loved ones. As the song says, count your many blessings. Name them one by one and it may surprise you what the Lord has done. Remember how he answered your prayers, remember how He guided your steps. Remember how He surrounded you with friends. Remember the times that you failed Him, but He didn't give up on you. And then there's verses 10 and following where Moses reminds the people of Israel of the prosperity with which God has blessed them. Has He blessed you? When there's food on the table, remember. When there's money in the bank, remember. Remember. When health is good, prospects are bright, don't forget the God who has blessed you. Years ago, a politician running for high office included in his bio the information that went out to potential voters, the statement that he viewed himself as a self-made man. Really? What does that say about the teachers and school principals who educated him when he was young? Or the coaches who taught him discipline and helped him hone his skills? The camp counselors, the Sunday school teachers, the parents and other family members, the mentors. And God? Self-made man? Verse 17 of this chapter, Moses says... wrong chapter. You would have wondered, where is the preacher today? You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands has produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth or to succeed on the athletic field or to get elected to high office. No doubt there is a legitimate satisfaction that we can take in earned achievement, but not the pride that leads anybody to describe himself as a self-made man. And Christians, of all people, ought to remember this. To remember God's Undeserved grace. To remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he instituted a covenant. In some ways, a continuation of the same covenant that the people of Israel were under, but in some ways, new. This covenant would no longer require the sacrifice of a lamb because Jesus was the Lamb of God. And Jesus started that covenant with a meal his last supper. We continue that meal to this day. And he told us that as often as we eat and drink, we're to remember him. When the bread is broken, we are to remember that his body was broken so that we might be made whole. When the cup is poured out, we're to remember that his blood was poured out for the remission of our sins. And that takes us back to Jimmy. He spent his days wandering the halls of Dr. Sachs's clinic, drifting, the staff describing him as a lost soul. But then the doctor happened to observe Jimmy in the chapel one day, receiving Holy Communion. And he was, for a time, transformed. Here's the doctor's description fully, intensely, In the quietude of absolute concentration and attention, he entered and partook of Holy Communion. He was wholly held. There was no Korsakovs then. He was no longer at the mercy of meaningless sequences and memory traces, but was absorbed in an act of his whole being. Do this, Jesus said, in remembrance of him. In 1983, the great Russian novelist Alexander Solzhenitsyn gave a speech in which he said, More than half a century ago when I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of older people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. Since then, he continues, I have spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of our revolution. In the process, I have read hundreds of books, collected hundreds of personal testimonies, and have already contributed eight volumes of my own toward the effort of clearing away the rubble left by that upheaval. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat, men have forgotten God. That is why all this has happened. I can picture Moses sitting in the audience when Solzhenitsyn deliver those lines, unable to control himself, yelling out, Amen! Preach it! (laughs) Now Russia, of course, does not stand in the exact same relationship to God as did ancient Israel. And the United States does not stand in the same relationship to God as did ancient Israel. And yet, any nation that has been blessed by the knowledge of God and the Gospel should heed the message of Deuteronomy 8. And on this weekend of our country's birthday let's us resolve as citizens of the U.S. and citizens of heaven to not forget God. A pastor I respect writes recently, Our nation has been more greatly blessed than any other nation in the history of the world, and this helps explain why we consume such a gargantuan amount of antidepressants. He goes on to explain, The reason we're so wretched and miserable is that we have more to be grateful for than anybody and have flatly refused to render thanks to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for all our blessings, which makes us the biggest ingrates ever. And characteristic of ingrates is one that you may have noticed before. Ingrates are simply wretched creatures. The, the pastor goes on to elaborate on some uh, of the evidence for our ingratitude as a nation. He could have mentioned others, but he mentioned in... in, in uh, his blog, a few of these, Envy, which drives so much of our politics. Uh, He mentions the excluding of God from the public square. You're not supposed to talk about God. Um, And Darwinism, interestingly enough, where uh, credit for this amazing world is given not to the creator, but to blind chance. We have failed to render... Thanks to God as he deserves. And uh, the article goes on. One of the first things that our nation should have done when we started to become recipients of this Deuteronomic blessing, which incidentally was in the 1700s, was to have recourse to Deuteronomy for a few lessons on what to do and what not to do. And what Deuteronomy tells her sons and daughters not to do is exactly what we did. God instructs those who are recipients of his blessings to serve him, a named deity, the Lord, your God, with joyfulness. We were supposed to do this with gladness of heart and to do it for the abundance of all our stuff, but no, we felt guilt for all our stuff while simultaneously making huge piles of it. In short, we became increasingly rich and increasingly secular at the same time. And in the land of Goshen, what a mess. (laughs) What a mess indeed. Recall Moses' warnings in Deuteronomy 8. If you're still looking at your copy of the word, I'm looking at verse 12. When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied... ...then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. Or verse 17 again. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Wise students of scripture and of human nature down through the years have noticed a sad pattern all too common with nations as well as individuals. People will honor God and honor God's counsel on how to prosper. They'll learn from the word of God to be diligent, to work hard, to plan for the future, to save for a rainy day, to live within your means, and so on. You get all that from the wisdom that God gives us. And the result is prosperity. But then in their prosperity, they forget about their need for God. The American Puritan Cotton Mather put it this way, faithfulness begets prosperity and the daughter devours the mother. And unless people turn back Bible's word for that turning back is repentance. Unless they repent, their prosperity will wither away. God still disciplines nations. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. And having the most powerful military on the planet will not save you. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. So what is to be done? How should Christians who love God and love our country and still try to keep alive some hope for our country, how should we apply the counsel of Deuteronomy 8? Well, let me give you three ways. Gratitude, God talk, and repentance. Other other things you could think of, and as you meditate on this truth, you may uh, come up with better ones, but I'll mention briefly gratitude, God talk, and repentance. Gratitude, cultivate thankfulness. Regardless of what the rest of the country may be doing, you and I, as God's people and recipients of His grace at every turn, ought to be continually thankful. Thank Him for every meal. Thank Him for a good night's rest. Thank Him for the beauty of the day. Thank Him when you see a hummingbird. Thank you. Thank Him for the low light of the evening. Thank Him for uh, good cops. Thank Him for your health thank him for answered prayer and if you do all this thanking out loud it just might become contagious. Which leads to the second suggestion, God talk. In a country that is forgetting God, in fact it seems to be deliberately forgetting God, a country that gives its biggest microphones, its largest platforms, to the secular, the scandalous, and the perverted such a country needs to hear God's people unashamedly talking about God. Too often, out of fear or embarrassment or some wrong-headed conviction that somehow talking about God has no place in the public square, we self-cancel, we don't need to be cancelled, we do it ourselves. You love God? Say so. Do you think our country needs to turn to God? Say so. And it doesn't even have to be a, a long or well-crafted sermon. It can be something quite simple, something casual. I the other day I was in a sandwich shop and the clerk was clearly down about something. I remarked on it, and she said, Yeah, it's been a really rough day. Well, as I was leaving, I could have said, hope the rest of your day is better, or have a good day. I said, may God smile on the rest of your day. Now that example is not meant to pat myself on the back, it's just to illustrate how simple it is, and not heavy handed at all. To just remind the people around us that there's a God, and that he's good, and that we think about him. So cultivate gratitude and and do some God talk. And then repentance. Pray for a widespread return to God in our land. For churches to be renewed and re-energized and rediscovered after COVID. Pray for leaders who are unashamed to acknowledge God. 159 years ago Abraham Lincoln said something that he could say today and with this I conclude. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us, and we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God who made us, Lincoln said as he called for a national day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer, and his words are Deuteronomy.